0: The Reality Escape Pod is made possible by Patreon supporters like you. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod, your lifeline when you need a getaway from the real world. I'm David Spira, alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive gaming from all angles, and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Today's guest is Anthony Robinson, Survivor Fiji alum. An associate editor at No Presenium. Welcome.
1: Hello,
2: hello, hello, hello. How's everybody doing?
1: We're doing great. I'm so glad to have you on because you are the entire reason that David and I know each other.
0: You're the reason that this all happened, whether you meant it or not. Uh, no, way. I'm part of somebody, I'm part of your origin story that's so happy. That's exciting.
1: And David and I met each other when we came on to do a podcast with you. So it's fitting that we've brought you on our podcast. Oh. If you have not heard the story already, David and I met when Anthony had me come on as a special guest when he was on a podcast with David for No Prosceniums, and it was kind of a special edition talking about Survivor.
2: One of the big things we talk about all the time is how reality shows, especially shows like Survivor and you know, some of the themed ones, are like some of the biggest, baddest immersive experiences that you're going to get. I know it's, it's really hard for people to wrap their heads around. We were just like, we want to talk about it and how Survivor is like one of the granddaddies of that. And uh, that's why, you know, we brought PG on and, and because David, you're a huge Survivor fan, it's really just neat to have both you guys on the show together and connects you and how much you guys have in common oh my god it's just it's overwhelming
1: so the first time i ever even met anthony i think it was at the finale party for survivor china at
2: your finale party yeah we threw it it was me and earl threw your party
1: and the first conversation i had with anthony we talked about how survivor is the world's best larp game and i remember him saying you're the first survivor i've ever met who even knew what larping was without me having to tell them
2: It was a glorious feeling because I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, you're a LARPer. I'm like, (gasps) you know what that is? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God. You know, I was like four cocktails deep. And
1: who is (laughs) it at one of those events?
2: Oh, you kind of have to be. I was four Cocktails Deep and PG was hanging out with your, I think it was with your sister. And it was like totally one of those moments of like, oh my God, PG, I was a huge fan of yours because you're like, you're a gamer and you got it. And you were just, yeah, I'm like, what are you playing? And you're like, this is what I'm playing. I'm like, I'm playing this. And like, and then, you know, an hour later, we're just like, okay, so we have to get together and game. And then we did.
1: <laughs> Back then I was playing a lot of World of Warcraft.
2: I was City of Heroes, is City of Heroing.
1: Oh, that was a great game. I'm really sad they took that server down.
2: Oh, well, you know what happened? Okay, so like random side note about gaming. If there are any City of Heroes, City of Villains fans, somebody rebooted it. Somebody's running a server of City of Heroes. So if you want to go back and play City of Heroes again, it is possible to play City of Heroes again. You you won't get any of your old stuff that was there, but you can start building from the ground up and it's
1: nuts i love it most people have probably heard of world of warcraft if you haven't heard of city of heroes it is another mmorpg which is a massive multiplayer online role-playing game it's quite a mouthful it's similar to world of warcraft and any of those other games where you're a character in a persistent world and you uh this one is superhero based you could be a villain you could be a superhero and you just run around doing missions
0: it came out before the whole Marvel movie boom. Yes. It came out when superheroes were still super nerdy. Yes. And to be fair, they're still super
2: nerdy. Let's just be honest with ourselves.
0: Now they're mainstream <laughs> and super nerdy.
1: <laughs> back when David was playing with those little click click heroes? Hero clicks. Hero clicks.
0: I was 100% playing hero clicks back then.
1: Anthony, the first time David told me about that, I accidentally called it nerd clicks.
0: <laughs> oh, to be fair, that's also pretty accurate for hero clicks exactly what i said she misspoke and i was like no i i, I think you got it right the first time yeah yeah. Man, call it, call it, call it.
2: see this is why we get along we're all pg's the cool one okay just so she's the she's the cool nerd Unless you really know how deep her nerddom goes, you won't really know. David and I, we're, we're out,
0: we're out on our sleeves. I don't think either one of us are actually capable of hiding it. No. There were points in my life where I was like, I think I'm passing as not a nerd. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. You're not passing at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I leaned into it when I did my survivor application. You know, like they hadn't really had any real nerds on the show. I mean, by that point. No, they really hadn't long story short like one of my friends ended up with my original application video he sent it to me he's like yeah, i found this and i watched it for the first time in forever And it was like oh my god i was like and i play video games and role-playing games and i larp and i came through i think i had a section where like i wore like eight of my costumes from different larps you know i was like yo i have this larp and the sharp and the sharp so i leaned into it when i did my application and it's just really funny because
0: now it's like you know everybody's like willing to say it it's also become like a character archetype and if you're too nerdy you become a Cochrane and now you are a threat yes
1: we keep saying larp and i assume most of our listeners will know what it is but for anybody who doesn't know larp stands for live action role-playing and anthony do you want to tell us a little bit about what it actually is and what it entails
2: you know if you're role-playing lord of the rings at the table to use pop culture. You're doing that in the table. You say like, you know, my dwarf does this. You know, you explain what you do.
1: My dwarf runs into the woods, wielding his sword and swings it around. And you're like, you rolled a three and you're like, you tried to hit him and you tripped and you fell on your ass.
2: Exactly. As opposed to a LARP, at least the ones I did, you dress up as a dwarf, you carry a foam sword, and then if you see the monster, which is usually some other poor unfortunate nerd dressed up like a monster, instead of saying I run into the woods to go take a swing at him, you literally run into the woods, and you take a swing at him. You actually have to embody that person, that character, that action yourself.
1: In tabletop role-playing games, you roll a die, and that determines your success. How do you determine that in a LARP?
2: Depends on the system. I've played a bunch of different systems. There are ones called parlor games, which is what it sounds like. You sit around the parlor and you sit and you talk. It's a cooperative thing. Uh, There's Nordic LARP. It's it's one of the bigger LARP systems that's happening. It started out in Europe. It's made its way over the US where it's more of It's consent-based, really. Yes, it's consent-based. It's improv consent-based, but you spend time actually working out how you will do things uh, as opposed to systems that I was, I was a part of buffer LARP and buffer LARPs are basically, you know, it's Dungeons and Dragons for adult nerds. You literally have a foam sword, foam weapon that you can safely hit somebody else with. That's literal physical skill. Like after you practice and you learn how to do it, then there are other LARPs that have like, you know, there's all sorts of different ways you can do it and play the games. I mean, uh, there's an old system by West End games, West end games. Um, that uh did for Star Wars. There was a Star Wars LARP way, way, way back.
0: There's a Star Wars everything. Yes, well,
2: yes, there is, yeah. <laughs> uh but they did they did their own version. Yeah. But they they did a thing where they used pop bubbles. It was weird. Like like sorry? Yeah, like, like like sorry or trouble. Remember trust those? Sorry, trouble. Yeah. They would take those off of trouble and they would glue it on the top of a lightsaber hilt. And so you run into battle, go, ah, and you stop and you pop the bubble. You know? So it's like, I got a six, I got a four. <laughs> You know, it, it was it was ridiculous, but it worked. It, people come up with some of the most ingenious things for LARPs, and some of them sound utterly ridiculous until you're in the moment. And some of them are elegant and, you know, don't take you out of character. It just all depends.
1: What made you decide to go into the live action part as opposed to, like, just sitting around a tabletop?
2: Oh, I do both. When I was in college, because there's a time and place for everything, and that place is college. Thank you, South Park, for giving me that phrase. <sighs> Versus group at Yale basically plays with foam swords, right? And I walked on campus in the first week, and you're doing all the usual freshman stuff. And I look over and I see a bunch of people over in the corner with shield and sword, and they're just banging at each other. I'm like, huh, that looks interesting. That's stuff I loved as a kid, right? i had played role playing games before, you know, so I, I got it. And i walked over and they're like huh this is fun and they go like well you think this is fun you should come with us to this game i'm like there's a game because <laughs> of course like you think we just do this just to do this like oh what's the game and they go come with us and you know they took us to this 4-h camp in the middle of the woods in connecticut and it had a staff of like 30 you know 40 players this is huge group of people and we, we camped in these cabins and we all dressed up with stuff and and it was this big storyline, and I played this thing, and I was in the, you know, <laughs> freezing in the snow and in the mud, and I had the one of the best times of my life. I got to fight a dragon. They built a dragon. They built a full-scale, buffer-safe, foam-covered, spandex-covered dragon out of PVC and foam. It took six people to operate it could hit you and you could hit it back. And this is before Nordic LARP really took off. Uh, it wouldn't be for another five years that I started hearing stories of people doing, you know, these beautiful weapons that were shaped out of foam that looked like real weapons covered in latex, these gorgeous like movie props. People weren't doing that yet. So when you walk in the middle of the woods and I'm not wearing my glasses because, you know, I couldn't work. I didn't have contacts at the time. So I took off my glasses so I didn't break them. And, you know, so everything's slightly fuzzy, out of focus.
0: You're basically your own Blair Witch Project.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. No, that's exactly it. Yeah. And the first thing that I encountered in that game was somebody dressed up as a minotaur. It scared the crap out of me. Cause I didn't know what, to, I'm like, what do I do? You know, cause I'm so used to, you know, I'm used to tabletop. I'm used to like, you know, like, you know, I have like, I have a second to go, let me roll my dice and let me think what, you know, what I wanna do he was charging this guy's charging with his big axe and he's got horns and he's wearing fur on his legs and he's running at me and you know i've got my sword i'm like what do i do and i go and i go to swing and i swing too slow and he catches me on the ribs and there's rules for how you bleed out and die and i die like we've been like playing for like 10 minutes i get resurrected and like you know i'm like what happened they're like you know we killed it and don't worry but you know next time just learn how to block i'm like this is great You know, it's like getting dropped into an escape room for the first time. You're like, you know, where they're like, here are the rules, go. And you're like, what do I look at first? I don't know. It's that same feeling. It's that same rush of adrenaline. And that's what kind of got me hooked. So yes, college and stupid people with foam. That's what got
0: me hooked. That's really interesting. One of the things that I find interesting about LARP is that the players are creators whether they think about themselves or not. The games themselves are sort of constructs of what every person within it is making it.
2: It is a shared reality. And it's funny, because I was watching a big old thing on ARGs last night on the difference between unfiction and ARGs, uh, alternate reality games, just completely other side thing. And one of the things they talk about in the definition is whether or not the players are intricate to the story if they're needed. if the story would play out whether or not they were observer or if they're playing and the thing for larps is by definition you have to play the game you have to be active in it you have to be part of you can't just i mean you can sit back and watch but you're not going to have the same experience as the people who move it forward
1: our first guest was alan lee like basically the father of oh yeah 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 and of exploding kittens and he said something on that podcast that i think about almost every day he said in his opinion the best design games are ones that allow for the players themselves to be entertaining. I was like, that is true. Like almost all of my favorite games are the ones where it kind of empowers us to make our own decisions. It empowers us to be funny, to be creative. Those are always the best games. And that's why something like Survivor can have the exact same mechanic and format. And it's so good and entertaining every time because the differences are the, the players. And I, I imagine it's much the same with, with LARPing as well.
2: LARPs usually run sequential. they're like they're, they're narrative, they're story driven, and some of them make a world. So like you run a LARP once and then you're that's the LARP. Some of the best LARPs I've been to are ones where they are replayed. So like it was like a set story, like a movie, but they had no idea how it would end. So like you play the game like four different times and it'd be a completely different game depending on who you're playing with. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be real. That's just really cool for like reality shows and for LARPs and games that have a ridiculous amount of endings, you know, like open world-ish games, when you don't know what that narrative is going to be, it's actually, it's really exciting because there's no parachute.
0: One of the reasons that I really wanted to talk to you specifically about LARP is because the first real conversation that you and I had uh, was at the Immersive Design Summit. It sort of like found each other we talked for a very, very long time. Poor Lisa. (laughs) You made me realize that I had been a LARPer for a large portion of my life and I didn't realize it. Wow. I had done through high school and college, seven and a half years of mock trial. Oh, (laughs) by definition. Is a LARP. I just never realized that it was, it is exactly what you were describing. It's a, it's a LARP that you play out the same thing every time to different results. You blew my mind. But it also had explained at the time that we had met, I had just started to dabble in some of the LARPs that had showed up in New York City. I'm much more intrigued by the Nordic style LARP, the, like, this like, consent-based communal storytelling. But I felt very comfortable doing it. Whereas most of the other people that I had been playing with hadn't. And I attributed that to the mock trial background, which was this sort of improvisational theater game thing. And it had never dawned on me that, oh, no, improvisational theater game thing is LARP. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Through you, I had come to realize that I was this. That's fantastic. I, I, I didn't realize that. That's really cool. I didn't realize it while you and I were speaking. It was after the fact. I was reflecting on the conversation that we had had. And I was thinking that you sort of just opened up my eyes to this blind spot that I have. like, oh, I'm in fact nerdier than I thought I was.
1: (laughs) How is that possible?
0: I know. I know. That's great. (laughs) And this kind of came up when we were speaking to Miles Nye. Improvisation skills. And being comfortable conversationally adapting and accepting whatever premise is going on around you and adding to it, adding to the dynamics. I think that it's a skill that helps improve and accentuate immersive experiences because you are then adding into it. You're not just passively consuming. You have this freedom and this comfort to go and engage with the world that is hard to do when you're playing in your own head in this space that isn't familiar with these people that aren't familiar.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I, yeah. yeah. For, I think, a lot of people, they don't understand that we often role play throughout just our daily lives. Whether or not you want to call it code switching or what mask you wear or, you know, just being nice. <laughs> Tell our kids, you know, be kind kindness is better than niceness we put up certain layers around ourselves all the time that's just what we do we as human beings in order to in order to operate in a society god uh in order to operate in a society we we tend to role play up until this last year if you ask somebody how are you doing what do you say hi how are you doing your first things out of your mouth is doing fine thanks and you right you know that's That's a set scenario.
0: That question is a greeting. It is not actually a question asking how you're doing in most cases.
2: Exactly. It's a greeting, but it's also, you're gonna play along with like, you guys are having a good day. How many many of us have had like, you know, just horrible days, but you know, we're gonna be chipper when we're shopping, you know, or at least, you know, like being cordial. That's role-playing. On its base definition, you are pretending to be something that you are not.
1: I guess it's the difference between like, I can't act. Whenever I role-play, all of my characters are pretty much me. I'm like, they're kind of loud, they're a little annoying, they're kind of bratty, they just <laughs> rush into a scenario. I'm always the character that'll just rush in, waving the sword. I always want to pretend to be somebody else. I'm gonna be the sneaky one and sneak in the back. And then I just end up playing the same way every time.
2: I mean, that's the thing is, you are to some extent always playing a role. I mean, we really are always playing a role. Whether or not that role is yourself and that's your mask is you. I went in playing a game. I, in my brain, I went in playing a LARP, right? when i went went into the show and there's a moment you can literally see that moment when like i i stopped playing (laughs) it got real there's a literal moment you can watch it they captured it on the screen it stopped being a game it started being real and then it's like okay so the different hats just switched but i was i was myself i mean like you guys have met me and you've seen the show that was me you know as me being a, a dork you are very much you I think both of you. But we're also characters in, in the class sense. Like, you are a character. Yeah. PG, if you drop you and me in a bar, we take over the bar. We've done this, right? You know, we're loud, we're brash, but we're also friendly and, we're, you know, we're, 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 we're a little loony
1: a distinct flavor and that comes through no matter what situation you're in. And this is one of the things I said in casting. I have a lot of different friends, a lot of different circles, and I am pretty much the same, but I get along really well if it's with business people, if it's with reality people, if it's with nerdy, immersive gaming puzzle people. You know, there's a quality about somebody that is able to kind of stay the same flavor, but still be able to get along in those different groups it's not always easy because i I know some people whose personalities actually change it's that person that you can tell if they're on the phone with a girlfriend or (laughs) if they're on the phone with like their homies right
2: (laughs) this is one of the reasons i I really want to get you an alert i want to see you play a character like really play a character by the nature of of what you're doing you have to take on a persona even if that persona is pretty much exactly myself there's still a layer of you have to act you have to improv you're like you're forced to Because would PG really jump after that thing with a sword? Mm, I don't know. Would you? Probably. Probably.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I take after my mom one time when I was eight years old, and I'll never forget this. She was putting groceries away, and she's got me. I'm like eight, my sister's six. So we're just, you know, standing around. All of a sudden, my mom screams. She, like, kind of grabs at her side, and then she runs off down a dark alleyway. This is nighttime. My sister and I are just standing there staring at each other, like, what the hell happened? I was like, did, did she look like maybe she got stung by a bee and it made her go crazy? I don't know why children think this. This is what I thought. I thought she got stung by a bee and went crazy. And we just sat there waiting forever. She comes back and it turned out that she had her purse snatched. And my mom just took off running down the street after him left her kids <laughs> standing in this dark parking lot This like in the 80s. <laughs> And went off running after this dude. And, you know, back then we were kind of poor and she had a bunch of money. I think she had some merchandise in there because we're jewelers. She was like, I need that money. And she just went running off down this dark alleyway. Did not catch him. I have not been in that situation, but I feel like I would likely do the same thing. I don't know.
0: Like the both of you, I have a very strong personality that does not turn off. I am who I am. I cannot turn off expert voice, even if I try.
1: You have a cadence, a way of speaking that always sounds very soothing, yet authoritative. And I always feel very safe when I listen to- back to our podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did put a lot of work in to stop sounding condescending all the time because that was where I was <laughs> well before you met me. I. I couldn't turn that off. I figured out how to turn that off. What's the trick? I I don't know. I I just kept working at it. I was like, I do not like the way people are reacting to me. (laughs) I have a fair amount of self-awareness. What I do when I am having to play a character or electing to play a character is I'm me, but I know something else. I am me plus something, plus some other motivation, plus some other background knowledge, because I can't turn off the voice that's me. I can't turn off my analytical nature. I can't turn off the way I present myself. I'm not that good an actor, but I can adjust and nudge my motives in a different direction.
1: Do you always play wizards in role-playing games, David? No,
0: I don't. I frequently play like ranger loner types. I tend to play more chaotic good or chaotic neutral characters who have a thing that they want and are sort of indifferent to the rest of it. (laughs) I can
1: see that. I can see that.
0: (laughs) I like to play characters that can have the agency to do what they want to do, but not in a way that is undermining the party. It's so hard to play like a chaotic evil character without breaking everything down and just ruining everyone else's experience because you're chaotic evil <laughs> you just want to watch the world burn and that's like well, that means you just want to watch everyone else's game burn you know, and waste three hours of everyone's time i like to be able to play a character that allows me to do what i want to do in a way that isn't disruptive i don't want to rehash because like hearing people talk about their role-playing experiences is like hearing people talk about their dreams like no one cares <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen one person play chaotic evil in a way that I thought was really brilliant.
1: Is their last name Hans?
0: <laughs> it was actually Teresa Piazza from the Recon team who killed my dog in a blood sacrifice in the finale of of our game. That's evil yeah that's,
2: that's random and evil i love it
0: yeah. it was it was the most chaotic evil thing i've ever <laughs> seen someone do and it was so brilliant and so well timed and so well executed
2: uh, the worst characters are lawful good
0: mm-hmm.
2: lawful good is the worst chaotic evil for me is like okay so you want to watch the world burn it just means that you're the first person i shoot
1: they're the most pompous characters i hate all of them
2: just say
0: no to paladins <laughs> <laughs>
2: They destroy the game because you're like, okay, we have to sneak into this castle and we have to find the prince and explain him what's going on. And everybody else is like, prepared to sneak and get all your back grease clean on. And, you know, the paladin shows up, has him had the meeting, lawful good, and goes, ah, oh, I must announce myself to the king before I go to the prince. It's like, no, that's defeats the entire purpose. You're like, no, why? It's like, well, it's because we have to make sure that the king knows because there are certain rules that we follow. It's like, no, don't follow the rules. Go in.
0: Break the door down. Come on. No, we must knock first. That's worse <laughs> to me.
1: They're, they're the hall monitors.
0: Yeah. I like chaotic good because it allows you to have a code, to have your own guiding moral compass that isn't bound up in the niceties of how things ought to be. Right. That's what I like about chaotic characters in general. I never play lawful characters. <laughs> Recon, the reality escape convention. Our convention for immersive gaming is going to be entirely digital again in 2021. It will be hosted online on August 22nd and 23rd. You can find all of the videos from last year's convention on the Room Escape artist YouTube channel, and you can find out more about this year's event at realityescapecon.com where you can sign up for our newsletter to learn more as we start to release the information about all of our speakers and vendors and sponsors. We have so many wonderful things already lined up, and I cannot wait to inform you of all of it. We're gonna jump into Survivor now. During our first podcast together that we recorded on No Pro back in 2019, we talked about how you both had some very infamous on screen run ins with other survivors Anthony with Rocky and PG with Abby Maria. I don't wanna make you revisit all of that. We'll leave a link to the No Pro episode in the show notes. But since then, I've been asked a few times by different friends that I have who are big Survivor fans and know that I know the both of you. I've I've been asked the same question and then I've got asked another wave of them again, most recently when Anthony, your interview with Entertainment Weekly came out and you mentioned that you have kept in touch with Rocky. Both of you have expressed that you have relationships with these folks. Help me understand what dynamics I, as a viewer and a fan, am not seeing or understanding that allows for that.
2: Um, wow.
0: Nothing like a light question.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a hard question. I think part of it goes with the fact that there is editing happening. Like you, you said, like we're both unequivocally ourselves on the shows, you know, like you meet us in some person. But the truth is, and, and I say this to all the time, there's like this itty bitty oh. square of you, right? They take this part of you that is truly you. And they blow it up like 40,000 times. You can be kind of like nerdy, you know, like, but you know, like sometimes, you know, underconfident person. And they'll just like, you are always unconfident. And you're like the biggest stumbling nerd. ah, You know, because they'll catch all those little moments that, you know, the camera picks up or the mic picks up and they'll just like blow it up.
0: Because the extremes are good TV. Yeah,
2: extremes make great TV.
1: They also will tease it out of you, too. There's times when yes. I was kind of upset at somebody and Jeff probes, PG, you look upset. You know, I, I know I'm good. I'm good. Just like a normal person would. No, I'm fine. He's like, we're not moving on from here until you tell me what's upsetting you. <laughs> and he just sat there and waited for like, and he kept asking me over and over. I mean, aren't you upset that she did this? And they, they keep picking at this scab until it opens. All of the pus, all <laughs> of it comes, you know, all the toxic stuff that you want to keep inside. That all comes out. What you get is, of course, me going, well, of course I'm upset. She did this and this and this. And of course, that's what they show.
0: Yeah. It's like being needled by a sibling. That could be going on for hours and you're kind of zen about it. And then you reach a point where you blow up and the blow up is all that matters. Yes.
1: The blow up is, the, is right when the mom comes into the room too and sees you laying into them. And now you're the one in trouble.
2: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> it's funny that you said sibling because my short answer to this is basically like I have sisters and my relationship with Abby Maria feels a lot like my relationship with my sisters where we fight like you would think we hated each other. at Half an hour later, I'd be like, "You want to go watch a movie?" And they're like, "Sure!" And we go make some popcorn together. <laughs> That's basically the equivalent of my relationship with Abby and Maria.
2: I mean, for me and Rocky, it was it was funny because you look at like all like how everybody was kind of like jolly around Rocky. It's because he was actively trying to be fun. And he was trying to like you know make the best of a you know, of a ridiculous situation, but then he'd lose his shit. <laughs> I mean, <it's> like, <laughs> we all had moments where we lost our shit. I mean, let's let's be let's be fair. Everybody loses their shit on Survivor. Dreams said it best. There was one point because like you know my whole crying thing, my one stoic tear coming down my cheek.
1: We stand an emotional king.
2: Thank you, I appreciate that. But that's things like everybody cries. You will cry out there because like it tears you down. It tears you down if they catch you on camera because that was Dreams. I said Dreams, man. and he goes, "Cause you cried?" Like, yeah, he goes, "Yeah, I cried too. I cried every day. Just like they just didn't see me cry." I was like, well, "Yeah." <laughs> Cause, you know you're the smart one who just kept it straight for the interviews but that's the thing it's like you look at every time me and rocky got into it but you wouldn't see like rocky helping somebody up michelle was falling over because she was so badly dehydrated you know rocky helping her up you know rocky like yo bro give me that you know it's like oh no it's cool dude you know like he was trying in in his own way to take care of people it's just that where we didn't get along was more so in how he had different expectations for what a dude was out there. And I had different expe- expectations of what, you know, what I thought a dude was. Yeah, I got along with 99% of the other people out there. So I keep in contact with most of my cast. You know, we became friends. I was friends with a lot of people out there, you know, some level of friendship. And I knew that was going to be the truth with Rocky too. I was like, I, there's an interview that's somebody somewhere has on tape of me going like, yeah, man, he drives me nuts. But I know after we get out of this, we're going to have a beer together. And we did, because he's actually, you know, he's chill. You know, he's, we sit, we talk, we reminisce about it's weird. It's like a bunch of old men who like, you know, shot at each other back in the war. He's like, oh, you remember that time we shot shot bullets at each other. We threw rocks at each other's head. Yeah, that was great.
1: I think you would have a very different edit if you went on today, because back then, and this was like about 10 years, more than 10 years ago that Anthony and I were both on our seasons of Survivor, the way they edited men in particular was very different back then. Toxic masculinity was slightly glorified, whereas a man who's, who's allowed to feel sad, emotional, scared even, men also go through these emotions. Just because you're going to sit and have a cry about how overwhelming something is doesn't mean you're not going to then pick yourself up, go out, and continue to kick ass. And I think that the way they edit these things are a little bit different now.
0: It's interesting for me as a viewer, having watched both of your seasons a couple of times, twice before I knew you, and once since. And I have a very hard time watching Survivor Second Chances and Survivor Fiji because when people are being mean to you, they're not being mean to a character, they're being mean to my friend. And it really changed the nature of what it's like for me to watch. But at the same time, knowing you has helped me understand when the fans are making these swooping judgments about who this person is, If you were to take all of their time on screen, even the winners, you know, unless it's Russell Hance, like there's probably like an hour's worth of them in the entire season. And then if it is Russell Hance, then it's, you know, three hours of him just saying his own name. (coughs) But, (laughs) And I feel like in recent seasons, Survivor has been trying to do this. I'd like to see the show do a better job of improving the relationship between the people who play and are on screen and the fan base.
2: One of the big things for Survivor, there needs to be better aftercare. There, there really does. And not just the huge emotional scars that you come off. I mean, like like I said, there's there's a whole Survivor PTSD. That's my experience anyway. But it's also like how we deal with the fans. I mean, like the biggest thing that we had was like, you know, don't post anything and, you know, don't read the boards. Well, you know, it's really hard not to. I think it's part of like the orientation and everything. It needs to teach you like how to come off the island. Because there's no there's no map for how to come off the island. You know, it's like how do you deal with... Other cast members, how do you deal with the sudden rise of like people actually recognizing your face? How do you deal with trolls online? How do you deal with stalkers, privacy invasions? I I don't know about UPG, like we got mail at our house. My, My address wasn't public. I heard stories from other survivors where they've got people who got their work numbers. And I think reality TV owes it to their cast members, to the players and people who come off those things. If nothing else, here's a one hour seminar while you're in sequester afterwards, how do you deal with trolls? Just give me a list of resources, like even a link tree of resources of like how you deal with that after the fact.
1: I think that at least nowadays, it's a lot easier. There is a much stronger support system for survivors. Like we have the Facebook survivor group, but back, back in our day, I only had MySpace <laughs> and there was no Twitter. We barely were able to get each other's phone numbers after the game. And so, I don't know, it's better or worse in some ways because you're not as connected to the whole community.
0: You just kind of reminded me, I think the way that I figured out how to stop sounding condescending all the time, you just reminded me of it. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. It was becoming confident in my own abilities and not needing to prove myself. Mm, yep. yeah, yeah. That was where it was coming from.
1: Anybody I know that sounds like a confident person, they are always extremely welcoming. And those are the people that are good at making you feel good about yourselves, right? And I always look up to those people.
2: Well, you guys are awesome. For your listening audience out here, these two are the two of the most welcoming people that you will ever meet. So if you meet them in real person, be kind, extend a hand, or rather, in this case nowadays, wave from six feet away, (laughs) and they will wave back to you in a congenial nature.
1: Our new intro. (laughs) Thank you,
0: Anthony. Thanks, yeah, because 2020 and 2021 forced me to become lawful good.
1: <laughs> Anthony, if people want to find you, where can they find you on social media?
2: Antonius Rex, i the same on Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to follow me. Don't be creepy uh, and they'll be all good.
1: Thank you for coming on. Is, are there any other, Are there any new projects that you're working on? Anything you'd like to promote?
2: Yeah, I do still write for No It's been very quiet for me because it's been a really weird year. Even though No Proscenium has probably been the busiest that they've been in five years, because of, you know, lockdown, people have changed how they put things out and they've put a lot of it out because a lot of barriers kind of got broken down.
0: Same thing with Room Escape Artist. We are the busiest we've ever been. Right. Thank you so much, Anthony, for joining us, for talking LARP, Immersive Gaming, Survivor, Life. We've covered a lot. So thank you for joining us on that journey. Thanks for having me. The Reality Escape Pod is brought to you by RoomEscapeArtist.com, your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events.
1: If you're enjoying this podcast, you should join our Patreon. Some of the perks include a patrons-only Discord and exclusive bonus podcast content. Every podcast will have a companion after show where David and I talk about the interview we just recorded, as well as chat more casually about games we've been playing, industry news, and, well, whatever we feel like, really. You can get access to this bonus content for only $5 a month. And a lot of times, the after show is even longer than our interviews. $15 gets you access to the Spoilers Club, where we pick a game each month, and then we will discuss the game after we've all played it. This month, we'll be playing and discussing Isolation from Escape Room Melden. Make sure you've played the game before listening, and we can spoil to our heart's content.
0: We've got higher tiers as well, and we want to give a special shout out thank you to Wesley James, Byron Delmonico, Paula Swan, Rex Miller, Scott Olson. Breakout Games and Derek Tam, none of this work would have been possible without the support of all of our incredible patrons and the community at large. Thank you.
1: So if you like what we're doing and you want to support our mission of creating a global community of escape room and immersive gaming enthusiasts, Check out our Patreon at patreon.com/slash/roomescapeartist.
2: I got to go through Stash House in Los Angeles. Tommy, who's the designer, uh, was like, "Come back, bring your survivor friends, and you know, we'll we'll do a special thing for them." He put it in a little edit feature, which was a competition feature because it's a bunch of survivors. He put in this this neat like glowy in the dark skull thing that changed colors. You get bragging rights, and you get the skull for the first person to figure out the code to open this one door and to touch the skull. I watched. 10 people go through a cooperative experience while utterly stabbing each other in the back constantly. They handled the room. No, the secondary game of watching people completely replanting the clues, <laughs> to completely destroy people.
1: I was there and I remember Jay star right, like scurrying in the corner, like shoving slips of paper down the front of his pants. And I'm like, dude, we're not on the island. Come help me with this freaking puzzle. For
2: me, it was one of the most delightful and rewarding experiences that I've had in Immersive. It was
0: so much fun. This is why it's fun to watch Survivor. It was Survivor in the escape room.